Coming up on Nurse Talk, we've all heard about the perils of acid reflux, but now Dr. Jamie Kaufman talks about its effects on children. What is hashtag red for fed? Three executive orders issued by Trump in May caused nurses and government employees to fight back. And open enrollment is coming up and there will be many changes and challenges you should know. All this and more today on Nurse Talk. Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs along with Shane Mason and our executive producer, Patty Lockhart. Thank you. And Casey, we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our listeners on Progressive Voices TuneIn, the Tom Hartman Program, WFTE Radio in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and all of our broadcast platforms. Is this one of those days, Shane? It is. Wait, what day? What what are we talking about? You know, when we have so much serious news, we must find a way to cheer up our listeners by distracting them a little. Oh, something like no collusion or the NFL players must stand or they'll be suspended or Crooked Hillary sews her own clothes on or you mean that kind of stuff? Hillary sews her own clothes? Yeah, her pantsuits. She sews them (laughs) onto her body. I'm sure someone else does the actual sewing. Okay, Shane, push the button. (laughs) Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos was under fire this week after a disastrous 60 Minutes interview. Here to clarify her points is Betsy DeVos. Thank you, man. Hello, the audience. Hello, the man. Uh, Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming. So, Betsy, what happened with that interview? Well, I I think the problem is that the words that were coming out of my mouth were bad. And (laughs) that is because they came from my brain. Okay, well, well, tonight we can give you another chance. Like, what are your thoughts about, you know, public schools versus charter schools? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I I don't like to think of things in terms of school. Uh, That it should be up to the states. Uh, in Wyoming, for example, which has many potential grizzlies, there should be a school for bears. And um, in Louisiana, crocodile crossing guards. And in North Carolina, stop being trans. And, and that's what's best, you know, for them. Okay. Well, now you, you might now be, be the most protested member of Trump's cabinet. Why do you think that is? You know, I, I think it's because I, I do not do a good job. <laughs> And I can't because I don't know how. All right. Well, it's yeah. Well, well, recently people have also been criticizing your position on guns in schools. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and again, I I think that the states should choose how they protect their schools based on their circumstances. For example, if two Home Alone-style bandits want to rob a school, that school should have the option of red-hot doorknobs or a paint can that swings down a staircase. You know, and that's, it's that good school's good choice. So whatever they choose, we are working hard to ensure that all schools are safe learning environments for guns. (laughs) Acid reflux in children? Dr. Jamie Kaufman is with us today to talk about what every parent should know about reflux in infants, children, and teens. Dr. Kaufman is a frequent guest on Nurse Talk and is one of the world's leading authorities on reflux. For more than three decades, Dr. Jamie Kaufman's groundbreaking research and writing have focused on acid reflux as it affects the voice and respiratory system. Dr. Kaufman is the founder and director of the Voice and Reflux Institute of New York. She is the author of the best-selling book, Dropping Acid, The Reflux Diet Cookbook and Cure, and her latest book is Acid Reflux in Children. Dr. Kaufman, welcome to Nurse Talk. It's great to have you back with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. 
Well, I just wanted to tell you that I've shared your book with uh, many of my friends and family members, and they love it. You know, so many nurses suffer from this uh, disease and didn't even know that they did. Uh, So thank you for that. It's been very helpful. So, Dr. Kaufman, what prompted you to write this book? Well, this is actually the cycle. This is the fourth in a series of books written for the general public about acid reflux, which I uh, I would argue is the biggest black hole in healthcare today. I think we probably spend $200 billion a year to get it wrong. Um, Allergies, sinus disease, asthma, and many diagnoses um, are incorrect and actually due to reflux. And so the four books, Dropping Acid, was written to say, you know, not too much soda pop, not too much soft drinks, not too much acid for refluxers. And then I wrote a chronic cough enigma because chronic cough is one of the most common symptoms for both adults and children. Four weeks cough is chronic cough. Dr. Kaufman's acid reflux diet was about what, what we'd learned since the writing of the first book and also included vegan and gluten-free recipes which were requested. And then finally, we felt compelled to write this book on children. And um, it's so big, it's invisible. We need to educate people about what reflux in children looks like. And Jamie, adults and children experience different symptoms with acid reflux. What are some of the common symptoms in adults versus children? Well, in adults, uh, the single most common symptom is the chronic throat clearing, too much throat mucus, post-nasal drip. Uh, hoarseness, particularly morning hoarseness, the sensation of a lump in the throat, difficulty swallowing, and then all of the breathing problems, including asthma and um, uh, sinus problems as well. So uh, really any any parts of the respiratory system, the ears, nose, throat, um, voice box, and breathing tubes and lungs can be affected by reflux. The thing that needs to, needs to be pointed out uh, clearly is that at least half of adults have silent reflux, so they don't know they have it because they don't have heartburn and digestion. With children, they all have silent reflux. Children aren't going to tell you, I have heartburn and digestion or or those such symptoms. In children, the most common symptoms are cold that never goes away, the chronic Mm -hmm. nasal congestion, a raspy voice, poor sleeping, complaining of chronic sore throat, and, of course, asthma is the big one. Asthma allergies are the two most common misdiagnoses in American life. In regard to asthma, it's worth making a specific clarification. Asthma is trouble getting air out of the lungs. The, the tubes inside the lungs become swollen, and an asthma sufferer can't get the air out. But many people complain of trouble getting air in. Of course, they're treated for asthma anyway. But trouble getting air in, that's reflux. And so in the throat, there are the receptors, and the acid causes airway to close down, and then they have trouble breathing. And so uh, if you have trouble getting air in, or your child has trouble getting air in, I think reflux, particularly silent reflux. Okay, so why is acid reflux so difficult for pediatricians to diagnose? Are they they're just not looking for it? Because I know with the you know fast food diet and soda, this is a relatively new in the last 20, 30 years. Is that one of the reasons? Why why is it that it's not on their radar to look for this? Well, I don't know how to look for it. Um, first of all, the gastroenterologist uh, stick a, a, a scope or a tube down in the esophagus. And that doesn't tell you whether you've got reflux or not. It just tells you whether you've got esophageal disease. 
And so um, the pediatrician doesn't have the ability uh, to do a, a really comprehensive throat examination. And even uh, ENTs, uh, many of them have not been trained to recognize a respiratory reflux or reflux in the respiratory tract. So this is an area that requires parents to sort of, you know, wise up, think about this. Gee, my kid's not getting better on the asthma medication. Gee, my kid's nose has been congested for the last two years. Um, the allergy medication doesn't seem to help. In this particular book, there are two quizzes that parents can take, and uh, it determines whether they have likely reflux in their child or not. And then there's uh, what I call the bad reflux diet quiz, and you can fill in uh, what your child eats and whether it's likely to be a contributing factor. Well, Jamie, it sounds like you have to educate parents so that the parents can ask the questions of the pediatricians. It's true. With all my books, I get letters, uh, emails, almost daily from people thanking me. I read your book, and either I fixed myself or I took it to my doctor, and um, now I'm on the road to recovery. I think it's very important to recognize that reflux is is treatable, it's curable. Uh, The vast majority of people can beat reflux, and uh, if you're taking care of children and you have to be basically disciplined to take care of your child to be able to beat his or her reflux. So true. So do you know why is there so much acid in the food that there is today? Um, I know it's in canned and bottled foods. Why is that? In 1973, following an outbreak of food poisoning, uh, the FDA mandated that everything in a bottle or a can crossing state lines had to be um, somewhat acidic to kill bacteria. You never heard of anybody finding you know, E. coli or getting sick from something in a bottle of soda. Um, Unfortunately, the manufacturers have taken it too far. The FDA never said how much was too much acid. And so almost everything in a bottle or can today, except for still water, has the same acidity as stomach acid. And so this is a big problem for people who have reflux, particularly people with respiratory reflux. Kids should not be drinking juice, should should not be drinking soda, should not be drinking soft drinks, should not be drinking energy drinks. Um, in my home, in my farm, where I have children and grandchildren, we all just drink water. And they're probably much healthier for that. No question. Jamie, some of the symptoms children with reflux can experience include dry swallows, decreased interest in food, breath that smells like sour milk or vomit, and shortness of breath during sports activities. These are pretty serious issues. Breathing problems rise to a higher level of concern and should rise to a higher level of concern. I would make a very aggressive statement that, in my opinion, based upon experience, based upon some epidemiology, I believe that 70% of respiratory disease in America is reflux-related. By the way, that includes asthma. I mean, if you have asthma and you have reflux, your asthma is worse. So you mentioned exercise-induced reflux. So when people exercise, particularly if they exercise with a full stomach, very often they'll have a reflux, particularly um, during the first half hour of exercise, and then they'll develop shortness of breath. So what are the five acid reflux aliases? There are so many aliases, asthma, allergies, sinus problems, hoarseness, and cough are, are the most, and post-nasal drip, by the way, there, there's a sixth. If your child can't breathe out of their nose all the time, 
And by the way, my dad and children also ear infections, tonsillitis, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I go back to that whole question of sore throat. If your child is having these symptoms and doesn't have a fever, then it's unlikely to be viral. So you've talked about in your home for your grandkids and your children that they drink water. What do you think about alkaline water? Is that something that people should encourage? Alkaline water is a great secret. Um, Almost everything in nature is either neutral or somewhat acidic. So, for example, on our reflux diet, we don't recommend citrus at all, no citrus. But alkaline water, the word alkaline is the opposite of acid. And so alkaline will neutralize acid. It turns out that water in nature is sometimes alkaline. It has to do with how it trickles through caverns with calcium phosphate and so on. But alkaline water is particularly useful. We first learned about it, oh, about 10 years ago now, because we had some adult patients who said, by the way, I started drinking this brand of water and my reflux got better. So the alkaline water actually kills the enzymes and neutralizes acid. And it's not just at the stomach we're talking about. We're talking about in the throat, in the esophagus, the swallowing tube, and so on. And so alkaline water can be used as a partial treatment, and um, it it, it helps in pH balancing. So let's just say you're going to have something that's rather acidic, and if you wash it down with alkaline water, not so much a problem. And by the way, alkaline water is usually labeled on the bottle. Um, we recommend alkaline water of about pH 8.8 or higher. Um, there are lots of brands around um, in, in most stores now. Great. If you've just joined us, we've been talking with Dr. Jamie Kaufman about her new book, Acid Reflux in Children. Jamie, what do you hope to have happen when people read this book? What's your goal? Well, I think, first of all, there's a revolution going on. You know, the food industry and the healthcare industry and the drug industry, I mean, all of these industries are in a duplicitous way keeping people sick. There is a group of people that are now looking very carefully at what constitutes a healthy diet and lifestyle. And uh, among those groups, the biggest groups are actually millennials. Millennials are going uh, vegan um, by the millions. Um, You save yourself, you save the planet, you say screw you to the evil corporations, as it were, and um, and it's cheaper. So there is a big movement now, maybe a quarter of the nation really beginning to reject what we call the Western diet, which is really the American diet, the fast food diet, Um, the high-fat, high-sugar, high-salt you know, snack diet and so on. Well, that would be great. So what are some of the most common reflux trigger foods children may be eating now? Well, the first reflux trigger food is anything that's given before bed. Children should absolutely not have bedtime snacks. You should have an early dinner with your children, and then that's when they have their bath, their homework, their television, and then go to bed with a quiet stomach. So number one recommendation for parents is no bedtime snacks. The second thing is to absolutely take a look at how much fast food you're eating and to try to limit fast food. Try to specifically limit, you know, this is going to be a surprise for you, uh, processed meats. I'm sure there are thousands, perhaps millions of people sending their children uh, to school every day with sandwiches with processed meats. 
Um, according to the World Health Organization, uh, processed meats are class one carcinogens in the same category as cigarette smoking and plutonium. So processed meats, um, minimize soft drinks, uh, keep uh, juice out of the house, keep ice cream out of the house, keep cookies out of the house. Those are things you go out for for a treat. The recommendation across all of the societies in terms of healthy diets um, is five servings of fruits and vegetables a day per person. So that's children and adults alike. You know, your new book includes some simple and easy-to-follow recipes, which are very helpful. So why did you decide to include them in the book? Well, you know, one of the things that we like to encourage is to have children be involved in going shopping. Um, Most of the good stuff is around the outside of the store, not in the middle of the store. I saw there was a thing on the news that many of the breakfast cereals have heavy metals in them, including Mm -hmm. lead. Um, that the healthiest stuff is around the periphery. And so to go with your child and let your child select the fruits and vegetables that he or she thinks that they would like to particularly like to try new ones and be involved in cooking. And so the whole idea of having healthy food in the refrigerator, what else do we include? Red apples, avocados, bananas, um, all the leftover bananas that are starting to turn um, get peeled, broken up, and thrown in the freezer for, for smoothies. Bananas are very good for refluxes, by, by and large. So, you know, that this whole question of, you know, what to eat is really a family activity that deserves a sit-down discussion at some point, particularly if everyone's sick. We've been talking with Dr. Jamie Kaufman. Her new book is Acid Reflex in Children, and it's available on Amazon.com at bookstores everywhere. And for more information about Dr. Kaufman's work, you can visit voiceinstituteofnewyork.com. Dr. Kaufman, thank you so much for being with us today, and thank you for writing this wonderful book. It'll be helpful to many. Thank you very much. We'll be right back with a look at what's happening with the Veterans Administration after new Secretary Robert Wilkie takes his post. You're listening to Nurse Talk Radio. You're listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter's the best medicine. I recently saw a Facebook status that said, no one should die because they can't afford health care. No one should go broke because they get sick. And no one should be tied to a job because of a pre-existing condition. Then it said, if you agree, please post this as your status. Well, I agree. And I'm not only going to post it, but I'm going to work to make it come true. You should too. Help us get single-payer California One Care. California One Care. Full care for all before less. Shane, I think you have sinusitis. Casey, you cannot diagnose, treat, or prescribe. Ugh, the bane of my existence. But you can as an NP, so what's the matter with me? Verbal diarrhea. Oh! Give me a second opinion. You talk too much. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We cannot prescribe, diagnose, or treat, but Shane can, and it always hurts. Clarify your points. Is Betsy DeVos? We are working hard to ensure that all schools are safe learning environments for guns. <laughs> Can I just ask you something? Do you like your job? No, I do not. <laughs> I, 
I do spend most of it getting screamed at while climbing into an Escalade. But I do like, I do like visiting good school and uh, doing worksheets with cute little blacks and the occasional stinky poor white. So. Stinky poor white. Well, yeah. Secretary Voss, do you really want to say that on TV? Oh, I did a fudge. Oh. <laughs> Look, look, I may not be very good on camera, but behind the scenes, my ideas are much worse. Betsy DeVos, everyone. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. That, of course, was Saturday Night Live, and I love that bit. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with Shane Mason, and also with us is executive producer Patty Lockard. Casey, ahead of Robert Wilkie's confirmation as the new secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs, Trump loyalists at the agency took aggressive steps to purge or reassign staff members perceived to be disloyal to President Trump and his agenda for veterans, according to multiple people familiar with the moves. This reshuffling marked a new stage in a long estrangement between civil servants and Trump loyalists at the VA, where staff upheaval and sinking morale threatened to derail services to one of the president's key constituencies, according to a current and former employee. And outgoing Secretary David J. Shulkin has been very vocal about his concerns that the Republicans' endgame to privatize the VA will be extremely damaging to the very people it serves, the veterans themselves. Also caught in the crosshairs of this political fight are the nurses and healthcare workers who serve these veterans. Last week, National Nurses United, the nation's largest organization of RNs, joined the American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, members as part of the hashtag Red for Fed protest against the latest attacks on VA nurses by the Trump administration. The protest was to call attention to three executive orders signed by Trump in May. The orders are an attempt to gut the long-standing collective bargaining, union representation, and whistleblower protections for federal workers, including VA nurses. Here with us to talk about the hashtag Red for Fed efforts is RN Irma Westmoreland. Irma has been a nurse for 27 years and is a proud NNU leader and member of the National Nurses United Board of Directors. Irma, welcome to Nurse Talk. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, I'm glad to be here. That's so great. So as most of us know, Robert Wilkie just took over as secretary of the VA. Can you say anything about that? Yes, it's going to be a big change from the previous secretaries that we have had. Even though we didn't always agree with the last secretary, we certainly are going to see some changes with this new secretary. He has already sent out messages that supervisors need to take a firm hand to employees, which, you know, is very stressful to us because it seems like that that's going to be one of his focuses, getting rid of staff who he feels or his supervisors feel that are not, you know, like this person said before, loyal to the VA. But when nurses are threatened by their job, they are not going to come forward with issues easily that may be impeding care to the veteran or be where we can stand up for our patients, because then if you're a whistleblower, then you're going to be attacked. We think we're going to see a lot more of that. You're familiar with the VA, and what changes have you heard that specific changes that might be taking place since the beginning of the Trump administration? Well, there's more and more outsourcing of care for our veterans, trying to put it into privatized care, which is not going to work because those private facilities, oh, yeah, they're really excited to get 
veteran patients because then that means they get federal dollars. And, of course, the federal government always makes good on their payment, right? So they pay quick and they pay fast. But what happens to the veteran is they're not getting top-quality care. Over and over again, our quality indicators show that the veteran is getting top-quality care at the VA for those things that are uh, almost always they're trying to um, bump out, PTSD cases, mental health cases. Um, spinal cord injury cases, those things that rehab that we do well for our veteran patients, they are not going to do as well. Our patients are coming back to us and saying, they don't treat me like you guys treat me. We want to come back. But uh, what's going to happen in, and we're seeing it now this year as we go through, we've had a two-year funding. And so now we're starting on the next two-year funding sec- section. And what's happening is the less number of patients that you see in house then your budget will be decreased. And so what's going to happen is less and less funding will go to the hospitals, will go to the clinics, and then it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy that we aren't going to be able to take care of the veteran. And then more and more places will close, more and more patients will not be taken care of, and then it'll be privatized before you know it. We do know that the Republican agenda is to privatize this. So you're already seeing these changes occurring as we speak that they're, they're already moving forward with this plan. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In every facility that we have, we see more and more distance medicine, contracting out, making it so that even if before uh, contracting out was if you were 50 miles away, now it's 20 miles, which is barely any amount at all to travel. Because most of our facilities, of course, you know, are in big cities or small cities, but that's not very far for people to travel. But now it's so that you can get your care somewhere else and you don't have to really get your care at the VA. And what has happened and will continue to happen is it'll defund and destabilize the VA healthcare system, which is what they want. And that is exactly what's going to happen. We are trained to deal specifically with uh, mental health patients from from wars. We're deal- we're specifically trained to deal with their rehab issues, the spinal cord injury issues, brain injury issues that relate from war-related injuries. And it's a holistic kind of care, care that involves the family and involves the veteran themselves. And that kind of care has gone on for many, many years, and it's built up based on our research that we show, the kinds of things that we do, and it's just going to go to people who are not specializing in it. They don't know the ins and outs of the patient's psyche and their need, their mental health needs and their rehab needs because they have not taken care of people who have been hurt in the battle. Yes. Also, we give lots of things for family members. We have hotels, which are like hotel kind of things that family members can come and stay right. with. Their, they are free, that can stay when they're in the hospital. They're not going to get that kind of stuff when they go privatized. Irma, what would have to happen for the privatization uh, that's going on now to be reversed and stopped? They would have to fund the VA fully. They would have to fully fund. It's like every single year. We don't think, of course, this year you'll get a, a cost of living raise, but let's just give the cost of living raise as one example. If there's a cost of living raise for 2%, it is never funded. So what happens is, That means that the VA budget is cut by 2% because they have to cover the cost of living raise within what they already have. And Irma, I wanted to ask you one thing. Uh, You were involved in the uh, hashtag red for Fed protest, and this 
all came about about three executive orders that Trump had signed in May. What happened for that protest? Was there an impact? And what's happening now? And what what are future plans? Well, we believe there was a very big impact because it showed solidarity of employees with uh, standing up against these executive orders. And it was not something that people could get in trouble for, but yet you could see across the country people wearing red, saying that they stand up for this, that that we know what's going on and we're not going to take it. We are going to be voters in November and we're going to make sure that people know what's going on. But these orders really seek to dismantle unions and collective bargaining power by severely limiting the number of hours a federal worker can do what's called official time or represent employees in conditions and addressing patient safety issues. It's very, it's very sad. Yeah, indeed. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes. I just want to say that even though unions have been vilified for using official time, it has been given by the Congress. And it's also time used to protect employees, both the union and non-union nurses, from discriminations on the basis of race, gender, sexual orientation. It ends up saving taxpayers money because it helps resolve workplace conflicts before you have to go to lengthy arbitrations and cases that cost a lot of money. We resolve them much, much lower, and it saves money across the board. But nobody wants to hear that. What they want to hear is that the employees and the unions are being vilified. Thank you, Irma. Thank you for your time as a nurse, but also for your time as an activist in this very important fight at the VA. We appreciate it. Thanks for letting me speak to you. I really enjoyed it. Thank Thank you. you, Irma. We've been talking with RN Irma Westmoreland. Irma is a career RN and a union member who took part in the recent hashtag Red for Fed protests condemning the Trump administration's attacks, undermining the ability of nurses to advocate for veterans' care. For more information about this topic, visit nnu.org or nursedoxide.com. That's it for today, folks. Thanks for listening, and thank you to our executive producer, Patty Lockard, sound design and engineering, June Miller, and JMC Sound, Taylor Lockard Research, and National Nurses United and all the nurses on duty today, and of course our listeners and guests. Take care and visit us at nursetalksite.com or like our Facebook page at Nurse Talk.